I love your stories. There's so many great stories. That was Brittany's story. You have a story. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. I want you to pull out this card again. Over the last four weeks, this is the fourth week, we've been going through what it means to be community of faith, what it means to be the church. I have just been impressed from the Lord that he's getting ready to move in a really powerful way among us like we haven't seen ever before. And I want you to renew your vows if you're a member already by saying, hey, we're in, we're full out. If you're here and you're new and you've never joined, this is your chance to join Community of Faith. So I want you to look at those. Let's just look at the, the first few there that we've gone over. I'll run over those with you and we'll look at the last two today. Number one, I commit or have committed my life to Christ, trusting him alone for my salvation. We talked that first Sunday about how it's not if your good outweighs your bad, if you try to be you know, just good enough or help your fellow man. We have to step into a relationship because of what Jesus did on the cross. And we receive that. He opened the doorway for us to know God. And we step into that full out. We step into that journey. If you missed that one, go back and catch it online. In fact, catch the first three online if you didn't see those. So, and you can go ahead and join today. I want you to know those, though, so we can look through those things together. Number two, I commit to live my life in fellowship with the family of believers at Community of Faith. We do life together. I love that this is a place that encourages you. You know, there's so many people out there that are discouraging, taking courage away. Well, here you're going to be encouraged. Courage is going to be put into you. We can do this together. We can live for God together and make a difference in this world. Number three, I commit to show to grow spiritually by developing daily habits of prayer, Bible study, and time spent with God. And we talked about how to do that last week. And we talked about how <clears throat> when you step into those spiritual disciplines, the Bible says, if you're a believer, if you stepped into this journey with Jesus, accepted what he did on the cross for you, received that, his Holy Spirit actually comes to live inside of you. His Holy Spirit is never going to let you go. He's going to keep working on you till the day you die. But you have a choice. You can allow the Holy Spirit to work from inside by doing these spiritual disciplines, or God will bring along outside pressure to keep you coming back to him, coming back to him. And there's going to be outside pressures anyway, so I would encourage you to get rid of a lot of them by doing the inner work. And we talked about that. So go back and catch that too, if you haven't seen that yet. And then number four, I commit to make a a kingdom impact by giving financially to community of faith with the goal of giving a tithe. A tithe is 10% of your income. And the Bible, we talked about all the promises of God that he's got for us when we start to give 10%. He said, I'm going to open the windows of heaven. I'm going to find you. You're a channel into my kingdom. So I'm going to continue to pour it on you so you can give it away. Not so you can keep it, but so you can give it away. And a lot of you have become channels. I also told you that you can ride my faith because I've seen this happen and I know it's going to happen for you over the next 90 days. If you want to try the 10%, If you give 10% of your income over the next 90 days and God doesn't just absolutely bless your family, work in your life, you don't see deep growth happening, then come back to me and say, hey, I want my money back. It's a money back guarantee. I'll give it back to you with the interest that we earned over those three months in the bank. So 
That's not going to be your faith yet, right? That's my faith because you can get your money back. But I want you to ride, I want you to ride my faith and watch what happens. If you say 10%, I don't, you know, we'll start with 1%, 2%, 3%, and begin to build toward it. Okay. The goal is that we say, God, you're Lord of my life. You're Lord of every part of me. And he asked us to give 10% of his of what we earn back to him to prove that. I don't know why he said 10%, not 50%, but that's what he, it's just enough to say, your heart is mine. That's what God's looking for, okay? Now let's look at the last couple of them uh, today. At Community of Faith, we serve the world. In fact, we have a group coming back today from India that's been over there working, making a difference. Uh, it's, it, why do we serve the world? Why? If you had all the power of God and you could do anything, I mean, you were omnipotent, what would you do? I think it'd be a little scary for most of us, you know, because I'd definitely zap my enemies, right? Okay, you're a pile of dust. You're a pile of dust. There, you might, I don't know if anybody left in the world, but, you know, I mean, by the time you get aggravated with everybody, uh, your husband sure wouldn't be around, would he? Uh, you know, but you think about it. What did Jesus do? Let's, let's look at some verses that they kind of boggle our minds as human beings. They don't fit into our paradigm of what the omnipotent God would do. It's found in John 13, three through five. And what you have to realize is this is the last night that Jesus has with his disciples before he goes to the cross the very next day. Later in the evening, he's betrayed by Judas. And Judas is there right now among them. And this is what Jesus does, says this. Jesus knew that he had come from God and would go back to God. He also knew that the Father had given him complete power. So, little word so, this is because he knew that, because he knew who he was and he knew he had all power. Here's what he did. So, during the meal, Jesus got up, removed his outer garment, and wrapped a towel around his waist. He put some water into a large bowl. Then he began washing his disciples' feet and drying them with the towel he was wearing. These verses, they blow my mind. God with a towel wrapped around his waist, washing dirty feet. Back in this day, everybody walked everywhere. They would come in off those dusty roads, and you would get the lowliest servant in the place. Not just any servant, the lowliest one would wash the feet of your guests as just a courtesy to them, to show them that they were honored and you were glad that they were there. And Jesus took that place. I mean, it's really, I mean, it's mind-boggling when you think about it. Jesus knew he was God, had the complete power of God. He embodied the holiness and majesty of God. And he wrapped a towel around his waist and got down on his hands and knees. Missiologist Dwayne Elmer says this, when God chose to connect with humanity, he did so as a servant. It was a most unlikely way to connect, for servants are usually invisible. They wear white uniforms, perform lowly tasks, remain largely silent, and if effective, seem not to be there. 
People look past them and rarely acknowledge them until needed for a chore. Their rights are few, their power negligible, their status non-existent. Why would Jesus choose to come as a servant? All the images of servant seem so counter to us in an all-powerful God. Dwayne Elmer goes on. I can only think of one reason Jesus came as a servant. It is the very nature of God to serve. It is the very nature of God to serve. And as his body, the church, we too, when we step into this relationship with Christ, we're filled with Jesus' spirit, and it becomes our nature to serve. It becomes a natural thing for us to do that. Now, I want you to think about this. Judas was still there, the one who was going to betray him. Jesus already knew who it was that was going to betray him, it says. He knew who it was already. And he still washed his feet. Can you imagine? Who is this God of ours? That's why, you know, when you think about the Bible, and and I know it's true, I've lived it, I've seen it, I've watched the promises come into play in my own life, and many of you have. One of the reasons why it just, it's just counterintuitive. No one would write a story where omnipotent God got down on his hands and knees and washed our feet. But that's what Jesus does. And the disciples almost didn't get it until it was too late. I mean, the disciples on the way to this meal, they were arguing about who was the greatest in the kingdom. The mother of James and John, who was a distant relative of Jesus, came to him not many days before and said, can James and John sit on your right and left when you rule and reign? So they're always asking, can we we be the big wigs? Can we be the ones who lord it over people? We want to reign with you. Jesus, to impress on them what it's really all about, he showed them this picture. It's the last night. He's got to get it across to them. This is the Christian life. This is what it looks like. And Jesus himself modeled it for us. You know, if I'm honest with you, I'd have to tell you that the idea of putting on the towel, of serving others, putting myself out there, even for people that I don't know or people that are, have betrayed me or are going to betray me, that's not that natural to me all the time. I prefer to be in a place of privilege or power, probably you too. But the more I'm filled, the more you're filled with the spirit of Jesus, the more this becomes our nature. You want to know someone like this really filled with Jesus? They're going to be a servant to the world around them. And that's what he's called us as his body, his hands and his feet to do. The values of God's kingdom are different than the values of this world. In the world, greatness is judged by how much oomph you have, who you can lord it over, right? How much control you have. Well, God has all control, and he says, no, that's not what greatness looks like. It looks like a towel around your waist on your hands and knees, washing dirty feet. That's amazing to me. Why do we serve the world? Because it's God's very nature through his spirit in us, 
It becomes who we are. Lauren Daigle has a song that says this, I hear you whisper underneath your breath. I hear you whisper, I have nothing left. God says to this old world of ours, people that are struggling, they might be in a beautiful house right there in your neighborhood, but they're struggling mightily, difficult times. He says, I hear your whisper in the night. I've got nothing left. And Lauren Daigle goes on and sings these lyrics. She says, God speaking, I will send out an army to find you in the darkness. I will send out an army to find you in the darkness. That's us, community of faith. We're the army. We're his army. People all around us at the workplace, people all around us in our neighborhoods, people all around us at the gym. I've got nothing left. I can't make this relationship work. I I can't do this anymore. I will send out an army to find you. Are you listening? Are you listening? See, he's saying you're the army. Well, how do we serve the world? How do we do it? By being simply a witness. Now, it's so interesting because the word witness, when you see it in the New Testament, because the New Testament was written originally in Greek, you know, that word, we get our word martyr from, martyr. Why? Because so many of those early witnesses ended up dying for their faith. It was a big deal to be a witness. It was a big deal to be a witness for Jesus. Listen to some of the people who wrote about this. Paul and Acts says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And then Paul again in Romans, through Jesus, we received both the generous gift of his life and the urgent task of passing it on to others. Well, Jesus, what is my mission on earth? Jesus tells us in Acts 1.8, he had risen from the dead right before he was going to ascend back into heaven. He got his disciples again together with him. And he says, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. You'll be my witnesses. I want you to think about that for a minute. What does it mean to be a witness? A witness is someone who just shares personal experience. Brittany just did it on the video. What God has done in my life. See, God didn't call you to be a salesman. He doesn't need salesmen. He didn't call you to to try to cajole people or, you know, work people or manipulate people into the kingdom of God. That's never what he's called us to do. That just doesn't work. He said, just tell them what I've done for you. That's what I want you to do. Go out into the world and share with them what I'm doing in your life right now. It doesn't say you'll be my attorneys, does it? He doesn't need you to debate. God doesn't need attorneys, all right? And, you know, sometimes we get into these intellectual arguments, and some of you are very intellectual. I love that about you. I do. I love the questions that you have. God welcomes questions, but it's not my job to try to, you know, 
argue some amazing argument into knowing God. God wants to meet you personally. I remember sitting across at Starbucks with a really intellectual agnostic guy. And I told him, I said, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be that deep for you. But I want to tell you that while we're talking here at Starbucks, I just believe that God loves you so much that he's going to just grab hold of your heart. And you're going to know he's real. And as I was just talking about what God's done in my life, all of a sudden, Derek just, I mean, this big old strong guy, I worked out with him all the time, but he was really smart, owned his own company. He just started crying. He goes, God just got my heart, you know? And he stepped into that relationship right there. That's what God, I mean, there's power as you share your story. That's what it looks like. Do you have to be a Bible scholar to be a witness? No, tell what God has done for you. Do you have to be a Christian for 20 years before you can be a witness? No. You stepped into this journey today. You can be a witness today. They're in the Super Bowl at halftime. When Kansas City's like winning big, you can, some of you, nobody cares. It's like Texans are never going to be there. But you can be a witness to people. You say, you don't care about this game anyway. Let me tell you what God's doing in my life, all right? This is what God has done. That's your job description as a Christian. The moment you became a believer, you stepped into this journey with Christ full out. He says, okay, I've got a task for you. Tell people what I'm doing. Tell people what I've done. Tell people what I'm doing. You know, sometimes I look at, you know, some churches and I'm just like, oh, you're just not a, that's not a witness. You know, turn or burn. You know, you're going to fry and we're going to the sky. No, that's not it. That's, I mean, that's real exciting, isn't it? You're going to fry like a taco shell. No, that's not what he's called us to do. Just share that good news. I love this new shirt that we've got because it says, I am community of faith, not I attend community of faith. I am community of faith. But on the back, it's funny because I, I baptized people and I jumped into another shirt and I came out and had it on backwards. Luckily, Cherie said, you got your shirt on backwards. Y'all would all been going like, what's going on? It doesn't look like everybody else's. I was walking backwards too, but uh, on the back, it says this, seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly. And if you're like me, it's like a really wide billboard sign, you know? And, and um, it's just a cool, I mean, that's what, it says in the Old Testament, Micah said, what does the Lord require of you? Seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. That's what we want to do at Community of Faith. I, I, when I was a teenager, I heard a guy speak. His name was Bob Harrington. They called him the chaplain of Bourbon Street because he had been kind of a reprobate on Bourbon Street. He just kind of lived on Bourbon Street in New Orleans, you know, and, and uh, then he just got desperate one day, and he went to this little church, this little tiny church, and he, he went in, and he introduced himself to the, he sat on about the fifth row back here, and he, he introduced himself to the guy next to him, and he said, the guy said, my name's Otis. He goes, well, Otis, I'm Bob. He said, before the service was over, it was what happened to Derek. God got hold of his heart, and he stepped into that journey with Jesus and everything changed. I mean, he went back to Bourbon Street and he started telling everybody, all the girls dancing in the window, he knew all of them by first name, you know, and he would go and he would tell them what God's done for him. And they said, well, how do, how do, how do, how do I get life changed like that? 
he didn't know what to say. So he just said, all I know is, you know that little church down there? Go in there. When you get there, ask for a guy named Otis and sit right next to him because God will get hold of you. That's what he's going to do. That was his story. But it was amazing how God did so many things in people's lives through Bob. Listen to what it says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is what they call the great commission. This is the great sending of Jesus to you and me. It says this, then Jesus came to them and said, this is right before he ascends into heaven, he's gathered his disciples again, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, because I have all authority, I'm sending you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, I think we're living at the end of the age. Pretty confusing these days. A lot of people are desperate these days. A lot of people are searching for meaning and purpose. As we obey this, we're God's hands, his feet, his voice. It's been said that the world's greatest sermons are lived, not preached. And I I believe that's true. That's what it means to share your life. And at Community of Faith, it's the most natural thing in the world. There are so many opportunities. Imagine you being God's hands as you hold that little baby in the nursery as you're serving there so that this little baby's parents can go and be in the service and find out about God and know God and walk with God. That little baby's life is going to be totally different than it would have been otherwise. Or, Or maybe you're in the preschool. And you're teaching these little preschoolers the amazing fact that God of heaven loves them and wants to know them personally. And that church can actually be fun. Was church fun when you were growing up? But see, it it can be fun. And knowing God can be fun. And then those little kids, they drag their parents back week after week. And their parents come into relationship with Christ. And the whole family begins to walk with Christ. How would it feel? to wipe the tears of a scared teenager. Her mom and dad just divorced. But you wiped those tears away and said, listen, I know it's really hard, but I'm here. The church is here. We love you. God is here. You're not alone. He said he'll never leave you or forsake you. Your dad walked out, but God will never walk out. Wow, that's, that's powerful. Teenagers are so lost these days, you know. I saw a, a statistic that said 80% of sci-fair teenagers are struggling with depression. Wow, I mean, that's just hard to even conceive of. But when you look and you see what, what's being taught now these days, and, and you know, it, it, in, in so many places, especially in the higher learning in our universities, it's like, There is no truth. There is no God. Live for yourself. Make up your own. It's empty. And you feel it. You know it. It's not the truth. God wants you to find a place to serve at Community of Faith. Look at this little card again. On the back, 
You've got some places at the bottom you can check off to serve. And here's what I love. You can try them out. If you, if you sign this and check this off, someone will get in touch with you and you say, hey, I want to try out working in the nursery. And then you've been there a week and you go like, I hate babies. I didn't realize it, you know? Um, then don't stay in the nursery. Please don't stay in the nursery if you hate babies, okay? You can move. You can go to a different place. You're going to find your place to serve at Community of Faith. And there's a whole world out there that's longing to see Jesus in the flesh. When we go on mission, Jesus goes on mission. That group that just is getting back from India, that was Jesus' arms, his hands, his feet to the people of India. It was Jesus who, through us, cried and prayed with a mother whose two sons were in jail, whose daughter had AIDS in Nicaragua. It was Jesus hands who touched that three-year-old that was hot with fever when her mom couldn't afford any medicine, gave her medication in Mexico. It's Jesus' hands and feet through us that, that, that built that orphanage in Costa Rica. We built that orphanage before we ever built a building, spent $200,000 that we didn't really have as a church and gave it all away to build that orphanage first because that's what counts. We just kept meeting in the schools, meeting in the schools, as long as they had let us. You know, in in Costa Rica, in that orphanage, there was a little, some of our first kids that we got, little brother and sister. They were three and two years old, rescued out of a crack house. They would have ended up being prostituted in that crack house. And they've grown up today. I was just talking to the young man the other day because he always keeps, he always is calling Laura and keeping in touch. He's such an amazing guy, walking with God, loving God, serving the world himself and his sister the same. It was Jesus who saw the laughter and the smiles of pure joy on the faces of those in Africa as they, we dug those wells for them so that they could have fresh, clean water for the very first time without having to walk several miles to get water. And it was Jesus' arms through us that pulled up the faces of the Batwa, the Batwa in Burundi. They were the forgotten people. And when we first went there, you know, they they used to be called the pygmies. They're the little ones. The other tribes said they were dogs. They said they weren't people. They had no rights. The government hadn't given them any rights. Well, today, because of you being Jesus' hands and feet, they are full citizens of Burundi. And not only that, but we've been walking in business with them. We've seen them, and, and they've all got their own business. They're hiring the other tribes around them that didn't even think they were human. They're hiring them, and they're their bosses. And I thought, uh-oh, what's going to happen now? Because they're going to be like Americans. I got you. Uh-huh. They're not like Americans at all. They just said, you're our brothers and our sisters. Come and enjoy what God has done for us. We have a bank there that's giving out loans. We've started over 300,000 jobs in Burundi alone. Community of faith alone. I think that's amazing. You restore dignity to a forgotten people. When we first met them, 
the Batwa people, they would come and they wouldn't even look at us. They would just bend low and hold their hands up. And now they run and they hug us and they look us right in the eyes and they just grab hold of us. They've got dignity. God's done that through you. It was Jesus' hands that got down and Jesus' feet that got into that red clay and made bricks. I remember that one of the first times we went over there to be with the Batwa people and they were making bricks for their houses. And uh, me and another guy got in there and it's like mud and we're just like, this is fun. We're making bricks, you know. We're turning the mud with our feet. And Claude, our man on the ground there, who's done such an amazing job, he, he uh, came up to me and he goes, oh, you're making bricks. And I said, yeah. He goes, I'll get you some medicine. I didn't realize how many parasites were in the soil, you know. So, And I remember also I, I baptized them. It was amazing. And in this little dirty creek, I just made sure my underwear was like super tight and, you know, nothing could get anywhere. And, 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 and I was kind of freaked out a little bit, but they just came line after line of the Batwa people to be baptized. And the Batwa people, they don't know how to swim. They don't like water. So it's kind of like baptizing cats, you know, because they had never been under the water. And, and I just remember them, you know, they were little, but they were grabbing hold of everything, you know, as, as they went down. But it was so cool. And they would come out going like, I did it. Listen, if the Batwa people can be baptized with that much fear, you can be baptized, all right? I'm just telling you. And if I can baptize a herd of cats, I can baptize you. I promise. I get you under there, right? So here's the thing. It was Jesus in India who was teaching those little girls, hundreds of them now, little boys, little girls, that have been pulled out of sex trafficking, out of all of that awful stuff. And now they're finding out that God loves them. He has a plan for them. I think they're going to change the face of India one day. I truly do. So the whole world is longing to see Jesus. It's our responsibility to make sure they do. So what do we do? Say, Mark, what, what do I do now? How do I start this faith journey with Jesus? Well, first you say, Jesus what you did on the cross, I receive that. You open that doorway for me. I receive that. I step into that. I trust that. You go back and look at that sermon if you need to see it. But as you do that, his spirit comes to live in you. And he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll give you a new power to be that person that you've dreamed of being. And then he begins to work in us. And then what do you do? You just take the next right small step. If the age is all ending, it's all coming together, even though it looks so chaotic, God knows exactly what he's doing. We're not going to figure it out. We don't have to. That's not the servant's job. The servant's job is simply to obey the next small right step. So for many of us today, it's going to be saying, I want to be a part of Christ's body, the church, a local body of believers. Fill this out. We're going to pass buckets in just a minute. You're going to put this in here. If you're already a member, fill it out again. Renew your vows. Say, God, you know what I did all those years ago? I just want to recommit this to you. And each of you separately, don't do it as a family. Fill it out separately, okay, so that each of you can say, I'm part of community of faith. That next small right step. In fact, why don't we do that? You know, uh, this is a time of giving. You can give, and you see up on the screen the different ways that you can give. Uh, it's always up there. 
I want you to look under your chair. If you see a white bucket, pass it to the other side and put your membership covenant in there. If you say, I haven't got it all filled out yet, or maybe you're going to do it online, you can just take a picture. I mean, you just look at that QR code, scan it, go online and finish it out. You can hold on to it. We'll pass buckets for the next few weeks. You can keep putting it in there. But I want you to sign up. I want you to be a part. When you do that, that means today you go out there and into our big NPR that's out the big room on the side of the lobby. Get your T-shirt. We'll be wearing them. I want to see you at the gym with it, all right? And we'll be wearing them all week to say, I am a community of faith. So that's the first step. Obey. Just the next small right step. Now, for many of you here today, whether you say, I want to be a member of community of faith or not, that's not the issue. The issue is the next small right step. Maybe you're brand new and you say, I don't even know if I, you know, if I want to be a member yet. That's okay. The next small right step for you is to get baptized. And we're doing that today. I'm get, I've got an amazing honor and privilege for you today. You came today dry. You're going to leave soaking wet, baptized in Jesus' name, because that's the next small right step. You say, you know, and, and sometimes we think, oh, does that mean I'm a member? No, that's not how you become a member. That's just between you and God. You become a member by saying, I want to walk in these ways together with community of faith. But to be baptized just means to follow God. We're not baptizing you into community of faith. You're being baptized into the kingdom of God. Some of you are going like, yeah, I don't even know if I want to join community of faith. We're not sure we want you either yet, so it's okay. (laughs) But you can still be baptized today. It's not joining the church. It's obeying God. For every one of you that hasn't been biblically baptized, I want you to do it today. I'm going to give you the chance to do it, okay? And as simple as it is, it's really the simplest of things. And as simple as it's going to be, it's going to be a defining moment for many of you. The 50 that we baptized last service, so many of them with tears in their eyes, and mostly adults. And a lot of men, real men get baptized, okay? I'm just telling you that. And men, you lead out in your family. You be the one that leads. Whole families can get baptized together. It's an amazing thing as that begins to happen. As simple as it is, as important as it is, some of us are going to find ourselves fighting, fighting it with all we're worth. I don't know why, but that's what we do. We've been planning baptisms for a while. What you didn't know, we were planning your baptism, okay? And you're saying, but I didn't sign up for baptism. Do you mean you're going to give me a chance to sign up? No, I'm going to baptize you today, all right? I'm going to go out there in just a minute and jump in in my clothes in the baptismal pool and baptize you. I'm going to give every single person in this building today a chance to be baptized, not in a month, not after you've gone through training for years, but today. That's what they did in the, in the, the Bible says that Peter preached the very first sermon and thousands of people were listening and 3,000 of them said, yes, I want to step into this journey with Jesus. And he baptized them that day. So it's really biblical. It's biblical to do that. I, I want to share with you just quickly, quickly, the story of Naaman in the Old Testament, because I think it applies to this right now. Naaman was a powerful warrior. He was the head of all of Syria's armies. 
But Naaman had a problem. He contracted leprosy, which was the dread disease of that day. The disease that you have to go around and say, unclean, unclean. And nobody, everybody was so afraid of leprosy, they wouldn't come within 100 feet of you. So, and you had to yell it out. Well, he had captured some of Israel as he was just this mighty warrior. And one of the little villages he had captured, a little girl came into his house to be a slave, a servant. But Naaman was good to his servants. And she just said to the wife one day, she said, I wish Master Naaman would go to the prophet in Israel because he could be healed. Well, they were desperate. So as soon as she heard that, she ran, told Naaman, and he decided he's going to do it. So he got this big caravan, and he got gold and silver and, I mean, all of this stuff. And he went to the prophet's little house in Israel. Now, the prophet didn't even come out to see him. The prophet just sent his servant. And the servant said to him, here's what you do. Go and dip seven times in the Jordan River, and you'll be healed. God will heal you. Well, Naaman got really angry. First off, that he was just kind of, you know, he felt put down by the prophet because he didn't come himself. And then he, he was angry because he said, we've got better rivers in Syria, and they do. The Jordan River is like a mud hole where all the little animals come to drink and stuff. Just Most of the year, it's just a muddy little mess, and if you've ever been there to see that. So listen to what happens. This is in 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman's angry. He's storming. He's going to turn around and go back to Syria. And listen, his officers, verse 13, tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says, simply go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. See, to follow God means there's no other options. There's no other God. And how do you follow him? You step into this relationship that Jesus opened for us, and then you just obey and take the next small, right, obedient step. You say, you're the leader of my life. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means I follow Jesus. I obey. And the first step that Jesus tells us to take, if we're serious, is to be baptized. You stepped into this relationship. Now I want you to be baptized. Why? I don't know why. But if he'd ask you to do something difficult, you know, if you want to follow me, climb Mount Everest, you would have done it. He didn't say that. He said, I want you to dip underwater. Why? I think it's kind of humbling, you know, dip underwater. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you out in just a minute, and we've got a change of clothes for you. We've got everything you could possibly need, or you can do like me. I'm just going to get in in my jeans and, and this shirt. You can come out. We had a lot of people, guys do that last, last time, Okay. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to say, when you're in the water with me, because you've stepped into this relationship with Christ, I'm so pumped and proud of you. It's my great honor and privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to take you underwater because in the Greek, when it says baptized, it literally means to immerse underwater, to take underwater. 
It's symbolic, but I want to do it literally the way the Bible says, okay? So I'll take you underwater. Depending on the life you've lived, we might sing a few hymns while you're under there. No, we're not going to do that. I'll pull you right back up, and I'll say, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in a brand new life. Now, what's to keep you from doing that? How can you claim, this is a question I have, how can you claim to be a follower of Christ if you're not willing to take the first small step that he asks us to take through baptism? And baptism is simple, but it's so deep. In that great commission, remember what he said? Go into all the world, teach them what I've taught you, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to do, okay? It's simple, but it's so, so deep. I want you to be baptized. Jesus is saying that might sound like an unimportant thing to your modern mind, but it's important to me if you claim to be my follower. And, you know, I, I just, I think that sometimes a lot of us, if we come from so many different traditions, a lot of you are going, well, I got baptized as a baby. You know what? That's a beautiful thing. But in the Bible, every time it talks about baptism, it calls it believer's baptism. We call it believer's baptism because they had just stepped into faith with Jesus, this journey we're talking about, and then they got baptized. And that's when you do it. But see what it does, if you've been baptized as a baby, it's a beautiful thing because your parents said, we want to raise this child up following hard after God in his church. And now it's your time to bring it full circle and say, yes, I choose for myself, not my parents' decision, my decision. I choose to follow Jesus right now. And it just completes the circle. It's, it's such a cool thing that you can do to complete that circle. 27 times in the, in the New Testament, it talks about being baptized. Every time it was after you step into this relationship. Some of us say, well, I'm not worthy. I want to clean myself up. That's not what you, no. Come like you are. That's the symbol even of the water washing over us. God's going to do the cleaning, not you. You've tried that already. You can't do it. God's going to do it as you trust him. I want you to change my life. Here's my declaration. So we have to do it God's way, not our way. I, I think I've got a better way. I'm going to work hard. I'm gonna, no, God's way. Everybody, I want you to say it with me out loud, God's way. Are you ready? One, two, three. God's way. It's got to be God's way, not my way. And that's so important. Well, don't I need to go through training or something? No, it says those who accepted his message were baptized. 3,000 were added to their number that day. Well, Mark, I want to pray about it. Are you going to pray about whether to murder someone on the way home? Maybe if it's your husband or wife, but, but Dateline's going to get you, you know. Here's the thing. You don't have to pray about that. You know it's not God's will for you to do that. You know it is God's will for you to do this. You don't pray about things that Jesus said, here's the first step. Well, let me pray about it, Jesus. That's, he's probably going like, what? You know? No, you just obey. I just want to take some time. What you're trying to do, you're, take some time to try to talk yourself out of it, right? If it's the right thing to do, it's the right thing to do right now. It's just the right thing to do. Well, 
you know, I, I didn't bring clothes. We've got packets out there, men and women, some funky shorts, T-shirt, and you can change into those, even your undergarments, everything. We thought of everything you could possibly. Well, my hair gets all frizzy. We didn't think of that. Okay, so Jesus got baptized in the Jordan, muddy Jordan. You can do this. Well, but a lot of people are getting baptized. I don't want to be like number 84 in line, you know. It's like, oh, is the water going to be? Hey, we got like professional grade filters on that pool out there for your for your clean little self, okay? Well, I get kind of ashy. Well, there's probably lotion in the bag, okay? Well, look and see what all's in there. All right. What are you thinking? Where am I going to put all my stuff? We've got people with badges and guns that are going to guard your stuff. What about my kids? Your kids are safe. They're in the nursery or they're in the preschool or they're in the middle school. We'll keep them for you while you get baptized or you can go get them so they can see you get baptized if you want to or leave them there till next week. That's fine. Just get baptized. Okay. It's like get baptized today. All right. We prayed for you. We spiritually prepared the way for you. Thousands have gone before you here at Community of Faith. Now it's your turn. Guys, I want you to lead out. Men, real men, get baptized. No excuses. Are you in? Are you in for this journey with God or not? Is it real for you or not? Are you ashamed of him? Are you saying no? The next right step, the next right step, the next right step. I want you to stand on your feet, all of us together across this room. Now, some of you are going to try to sneak out right now. If you go out the doors right now, you're going to get baptized because people are out there to grab you. All right. So here's the deal. If you've never been baptized as a believer, this is your time. I'm going to walk out, walk down, go out to the baptism pool. You come, you follow me out right now. Okay. We'll have t-shirts for you that say, it, you get two t-shirts today. One is I've decided because you get baptized. The other one is I am community of faith. If you want to be a part of community of faith, if you haven't decided yet, that's okay. The rest of you that are stepping into membership and you've been baptized, you can go get your t-shirts in the NPR in a minute, but wait for these people. Give them a chance to get out first. We've got clothes right out there in the, in the foyer for you. Okay. So are you ready to do this? This is your time. Some of you are like really white and turn pale all of a sudden okay I promise it's gonna be amazing a turning point so let's do this together ready one two three let's go start going I'm gonna go and join you right now we're gonna go out we're gonna get baptized together community of faith give them a hand as they brave the way